0: Entertaining. Cool.
1: You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio.
0: You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. Please reach out to me through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy, N-O-L-A, to make it easier. From there, you're able to schedule sessions with me in person or remotely. You're able to inquire about being a guest, On this show, you are able to listen to archive episodes of this show through a link at NOLA Therapy, as well as subscribe to this show via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. And I ask for you to support my work through the crowdfunding campaign that I have with Patreon.com. There is a link at NOLA Therapy, as well as you can go directly to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, Forward slash Lisa Tahir. And I want to thank my sponsor and inform you all that this show is brought to you by Audible. They have available over 180,000 titles for you to choose from. And as my listener, they're offering you a free month subscription along with an audiobook download of your choice. To take advantage of this, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy and that is one word. So the show today and the guest I have coming on in just a few moments I think is really important with our current times. I'm in Los Angeles today and I found out in the news that just this morning there is a 12-year-old girl in custody for shooting two children in the classroom of her school right up the street from me. And It's just a really disheartening time with all of the shootings and and violence going on in our culture. And the answer is through legislation. And I'm really pleased to have my guest coming on. We will momentarily be with Tatrice Harrison Esquire. She is an attorney running for judge in civil district court, Division A in New Orleans, Louisiana. The election is coming up March 24th in New Orleans. And she has been an attorney and community organizer since 2005. She's a lifelong resident of New Orleans. And when she finished law school, she was a single mom. She's a graduate of Southern Law School. She founded the Harrison Law Group and has specialized in family law. That means cases like child custody and support, divorces, successions and she has been a civil and criminal advocate for her clients including the recent failure of the pump systems that were that this new orleans sewage and water board were responsible for she really championed citizens rights and and getting the pumps working again and officials being held accountable so i just welcome you tatrice thank you for being with us today uh, Lisa, thank you so much for having me on, this, on the show. I really appreciate it. And hello to everyone that's listening in. You're welcome. So where do you want to begin? I know one of the questions I had initially for myself and our listeners is why do you want to be judged and what makes you the best candidate for us to elect? Um, what makes me the best candidate is, is just piggybacking off of
1: what you said that I have advocated for um, for legal rights for my clients and for the public for over a decade. And like you um, stated before, I just recently was um, on the front page of the actually times for where I was uh, pictured showing a a sign saying lies because I attended the sewage and water board um, meeting at the city council with sewage and water board where they were uh, telling lies about the fact that the pumps were on when in fact, we knew that the pumps were not on. And I wanted to call attention to the fact that that we knew they were lying. And I got, uh, you know, got published in the paper with that that passion and that um, advocation that I have done is is something I would bring to the bench. And then, of course, just this, this recently, I find myself advocating for my own rights because I wind up being a um, a, a defendant um, in a in a situation that we're we're going to talk about. You want me to continue, or you want me you want to actually bring that no, up before he-
0: I go into that. Well, yeah, I I wanted to let our listeners know just in my research of this election for Division A, I was curious to ask you what what might be going on here with several you and your running mates being uh, called out, accused of of different things. And just can you talk about the political climate in New Orleans and being judged and some of the challenges that you've had to navigate?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Again, to go back, I was. In the paper, of, um, listed in the paper, the front page of the paper for that, for advocating for the Sewage and Water Board Live, that was in August. September 28th, um, there was an incident that occurred with me at the parking lot with a gentleman, with a, with a stranger that approached me that I didn't know. And um, from that incident, I actually wanted to get arrested because this gentleman falsely called the police and, and made and made allegations that I um, pointed the gun at him or or pulled the gun out on him. Um, That happened about two weeks after that. Then, um, fast forward, I then qualified for judge in January, and then I get sued by um, one of the opponents. Three of us, there was four of us listed in the race, but only three of us got sued. The one person in the race did not get sued. Right. So you you can draw your
0: own conclusion from that. Yes, it just is such a challenging climate, political climate. And and to go back to the case where you were found not guilty this week of the accusations by Mr. Bates accusing you of pulling a firearm. You did not pull a firearm. You announced that you were a concealed carrier. And in fact, he had been threatening your safety in the parking lot when you had asked him to leave you alone. So I'm glad that justice was served on your behalf, but I'm thinking that had to have been incredibly stressful at the same time you're you're running a campaign for judge. Correct. Um yeah the incident with Mr.
1: debate was um uh, it was a situation where I didn't think that I would find myself in um you know finding myself as a defendant in the matter and having to defend uh, defend myself but because I've now gone through that, once um my intent is once I'm elected as judge that I will definitely carefully consider any cases that come before me by the citizens of New Orleans and making sure that the decisions are, are rendered in a fair, fair and efficient way. Um, in relation to the, um, the situation with Mr. Bates, um, it was clear from the testimony that he provided and from the testimony I provided that I told the truth. And that's why the, the jurors found in, in my favor, rendered a fair decision and they found me innocent of all charges. Uh, you know, Mr. Bates, was a stranger. He approached me on the street while I was uh, taking care of my car. My car had two boots on it. He had nothing to do with the parking lot. He had nothing to do with me. He was not summoned by me. And after repeated requests asking him to leave me alone, he refused to do so. And what I found very troubling from the very beginning is when he spoke to the 911 caller. And when he spoke to the police, he indicated that I asked him to leave me alone. But yet no one ever asked him why didn't he? And
0: right, instead of,
1: instead of there being some kind of um, understanding of a woman in a parking lot alone, instead, I, I became the one having to fight for why I had to then advise him to leave me alone instead of someone asking him why didn't he do you know, do uh, leave me alone. It didn't make any sense that a woman was at her car, taking care of her car, and then put in a situation where she's now having a fight to explain why a stranger was approaching her as opposed to the other way around.
0: Yes. You know, and and even in the court testimony, you were on the phone with the city um, working with them to come and get the boot off, which is fortunate because that could really validate that you were indeed not Pointing a firearm, Mr. Bates could not even identify the firearm that you had. So it just, you know, it worked out in, in your favor. But I think it's a really disturbing situation to have to go through as a woman. And just in light of the Me Too hashtag Me Too movement and women really speaking out about sexual harassment and such that you were being harassed, and and it wasn't until court that you were. Able to declare your side of the story and be found innocent, but just it, it could have gone the other way, and how unfortunate it is when justice is not served in these cases.
1: No, I I, I agree with you, and I need to clear up something because um, I know some people call that I was a city group. If you park in a um, certain parking lot, if your ticket expires, they boot your car. So I was actually at Premium Parking Lot, um, in Mr. Bates. Um, which everyone knows now he did not work at that parking lot. He was, he worked, he worked somewhere else. He, um, you know, was in the vicinity and I think he actually took it as an opportunity to, you know, approach me because of the fact that I had the boots on, on my car. He was never there to help me. That was, that was, that was, that was all a lie. That was the lie that he told the police and we were able to prove that um, that he, that he lied in relation to that, you know, when I gave my testimony and, documenting, like you said, with my phone records, that I was on the phone the entire time and that I couldn't have pointed anything at him because he did improperly identify the weapon. And also to add to that, that they, the police had no corroborating evidence except for his alleged testimony or statement that he gave to the police in the 911 caller as to what actually happened. They, The, the, the state didn't have any evidence besides Mr.
0: Bates. No guns. Wow. Yeah, no, okay. So, Tatrice, I'm going to ask you to hold on for one moment. The station is writing me. There's a little uh, interference with my headset, so if you can just hang on where you are. Let me unplug it and see if I can get on. Sp- um, can you say something, Tatrice, and I can see if I can yeah, hear you? I'm, I'm still here. Say that again? I said I'm still here. Okay, good. There, now I can hear. Okay, thank you. So being that you were a victim in this case and then declared innocent and you are running for judge, I know one of the things that you're, are really important to you is that as judge, you, you were quoted in an interview talking about what makes a good judge to you is someone who's fair, and impartial, allows both sides to be heard and has an understanding of the issues. Can you talk about this now, having just come through your own court case earlier in the week? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I, first,
1: I need to thank um, the judge, uh, Karen Herman, for running a an fair and um, a very efficient courtroom. I also want to thank all of the jurors for, for, for definitely um, rendering the, a, a fair decision and, and, again, finding me innocent. And and it gave me an appreciation for um, both sides, because I, of course, have been an advocate and now being a defendant, I know the, how important it is to definitely consider all evidence and all information when uh, people are before you in court and be able to, to fairly render the best decision and not just take it lightly when you have people before you in court.
0: Yes. So I'm going to speak a manifestation for you. When you are elected to civil district court division a what kinds of cases will you be presiding over okay so the way it
1: works in um, orleans parish and we work different than like jefferson st tammany and other surrounding parishes we have two permanent seats that uh, deal with domestic cases so those two seats only only handle domestic cases which would be your divorces child support child custody protective orders and things of that nature the third seat, um, which is the, the new seat that I would be running for, is um, would handle domestic cases initially. But then what would happen is the next new judge that come in would then handle that docket, And then I would move on to uh, civil litigation stuff, which would be plaintiff and defendant, a person, one person suing another person for money. So initially, okay. I will be handling, handling those domestic cases, family law cases. Um, but when, when the next new judge come in, they take over that docket. So it's like a rotating seat.
0: Well, I'm thinking with your background in family law and civil and criminal advocacy, that you are a perfect candidate for this seat. Correct. I agree with you because I, I, I've, I've lived many different places. Um, I've,
1: helped, I've had to deal with people in, uh, in foreign countries. I lived in Germany. I lived in Washington State. I lived in Colorado. I lived in Texas. So I, I bring a lot of diversity to the bench. Um, I, I bring a lot of uh, uh, experience dealing with people in different areas. And I think that's one of the things you need, um, you know, when you're going to be on the bench because you're going to be dealing with people from all walks of life, from the poor to the to the rich, to the middle class, you're going to be dealing with all levels. And no matter what level that person is at, you, you need to treat that person with compassion and dignity and, and treat them fairly when they're before you.
0: Absolutely. And from knowing you, you're you're so approachable. And I think it's coming through for sure to our listening audience right now that you're being so open about your personal challenges and experiences and how you will use this to be the best judge presiding in your courtroom for children's rights and then the other litigants that will be coming before you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's I mean, that's that's what I intend to do. My, my, my thing is about
1: me is that I've been in the community. I have been, um, you know, in the courtroom, but I've gone to events and, and, and attended things and helped. Um, I've been to, like, we did things with AARP where we did, like, free legal advice. So, like, say it was a weekend with a festival. I gave up a couple hours to go and help people, um, you know, even though it may have been festival weekend and I could have spent time hanging out with my friends. I've done those things, and I've done it because I find that, that those things are important because people, you need to get back to the community. And I feel that I had the opportunity to go to law school. I, I come from humble beginnings. You know, my family is not rich. My family is not politically connected. I grew up in Hollygrove. So, and if you're from New Orleans, you know, you know where Hollygrove is, and you know what Hollygrove is known to be. Um, You know, Ross Grove doesn't have a, the, the best reputation, but I fought my way out of Hollygrove and I made my way up and made myself an attorney. So I feel that I always need to give back to the community. And that's what I've done. And that's what I intend
0: to do, um, even when I'm on the bench. I know that being of service is a huge component component of you as a human being and a person. You are a member of the Saint Joan of Arc Catholic Church in Pigeon Town, and you attend weekly. and And just, can you talk to us about how your faith is important in your life and that service piece, giving back and and donating your time and efforts to help others.
1: Yeah, I um, I yes, I attend Saint John of Arc, and I actually, in fact, um, I was the one that started the uh, video. So we have a it's a Catholic church I attend, but we call it a uh Uptown Church with a Down Home message. <laughs> so our our church is a little bit different than the traditional Catholic church because we have more of a gospel type choir than the regular type choir that you maybe would give in a in a Catholic church. So I started the video where we would we would have the last um where they would do the last song right after the communion. And so um, I um, would, would would video that, and I started getting a lot of people to watch that um, on Facebook because I would go Facebook Live. And so I right. have a lot of people that look forward to me posting that um, on on Sunday. And um, then other people in church started doing it. So now we have a group of us that if one of us is not in church, someone else would post those. And I, um, you know, I love the fact that I, that I go to Jonah Bark. There's actually churches that's closer to me, and Jonah Bark is actually um, a, little bit, a, little bit, uh, a little bit further away than, than where I live at. But because I've been a part of that church for so long and I grew up in that church, I, I, you know, I love attending it. And I um, definitely want to thank God and my family, friends, and colleagues for, for seeing me through this, this, this ordeal and also uh, continue to walk with me
0: through this, uh, through this election. Absolutely. And you mentioned your family as support. Can you talk to us about the role your family has played in supporting you throughout throughout your life, going through law school as a single mother to your son and the challenges representing yourself through your own divorce for uh, for child support? Can you just talk to us some about your personal experiences there?
1: Yeah, my um, my family is real close. It's um, it's my mom, my two sisters and my um, and my brother. And uh, my sister actually is also an attorney, so she attended law school. She went to Southern University as well, and she had, she graduated in 1998, and then I graduated much later, 2005. But um, she was able to give me and inform me with um, um, with a lot of um, – instilled in me a, a lot of wisdom and insight into law school. So I had that piece that kind of helped um, when I went to law school because she was able to help me. When I, you know, had some concerns about things, I was able to call her, how she had been out of law school for a while. So sometimes there were things that I I talked to her about that she wasn't familiar with, but she was there every step of the way. And then my mom and my other sister, they helped um, as well. And um, the first year of law school, yeah, I filed for my own divorce and then I did my own divorce. And, you know, there were many things that I could have sought from my ex-husband like uh, spousal support and things like that. I just wanted them to be able to help me while I was in law school with my son. So I only sought, child support and even that amount was even the lesser amount that I was actually entitled to because my whole thing was, you know, not to make things difficult, to just try to end end it in an amicable way. And that's one of the things I've I've done as an attorney is try to do the exact same thing that sometimes it's easier to just to, to make, to make a, um, to be reasonable than to always try to go for the jugular, which I say in a sense about, you know, not feeling like you got to get everything from that person. Sometimes it just kind of be, as nice as possible because you guys are going to be dealing with each other for a long period of time. You know, when you're dealing with a child, you know, you yes. have at least 18 years that you're going to be involved with each other. So just trying to be as reasonable. And that's one of the things I did when I did my own divorce, because there was a lot of things that I could have did
0: legally, but I didn't. So being amicable and being wanting to have a working relationship with your ex-husband because you were raising your son together.
1: Right, exactly. Well, and primarily, actually, he was more with me than he was with, with him, because I, when I was in law school, I actually was taking care of my son and helping him with school while I was in law school. So, wow. Um, he lived here in Louisiana with me, and he would go by
0: his dad um, during the summer. So you have a lot of sensitivity to the issues that will be brought to you during the time that you're serving as a as a family court lawyer in Division A. Correct. A lot of Correct. empathy. I've, to done the litigants. I've lived it.
1: Right. I've lived it. And I've also, you know, I've also practiced it. So, again, I have I have both sides, um, both sides of uh, the table that I've been on.
0: Yes. So what are some ways that we can support you in being elected? What do you need right now? This Valentine's Day, Duncan's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Duncan refresher with a Cupid's choice donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
1: I need coverage. I need people to spread the word. People, you know, share share my name. Share the fact that the election's coming up. Share the fact that K3 Parson is in this in this race. Um, you know, I'm not, I have not gotten out the race. I am. I am here. Uh, every obstacle that has been put before me, I have overcome that obstacle. I freed myself from the chains that have been put upon me by, by the lawsuits, the false lawsuits that was filed, by these false charges that was filed. And I am still here and I'm not going anywhere. And I intend and, and, and I'm putting manifesting that I will get elected as the, uh, the next may, uh, the next judge for New Orleans Civil District Court Division A.
0: Yes, and your website is Harrison H A R R I S O N the number 4 the digit 4 harrison4judge.com. So that's how people can find out more and donate to your campaign as well. Is that correct, trees? <laughs> that's correct. And I have to
1: um, I have to kind of give a little a little bit uh, a little um about financial support. So as a judge candidate, even though I'm not I'm not elected as a judge, you're still treated as a judge as, as a candidate. As a, as a judge candidate, you are unable to formally ask directly or indirectly ask people to donate to your campaign Okay. for the, for the fear of it, mean, meaning that you may not be impartial. So um, I always have to ask. That has to be done through a third person. So okay. All I can ask for people to do is to support me, and I can ask for them. I'm asking people for their vote, and I'm asking for them to go out and vote for me on March 24th. And okay, so we anything, can... Go go
0: ahead. No, go ahead. You
1: first, Patrice. I was going to say anything financial, they would have to go to my website or go to any of the my uh, social media things to get involved in that. And, I, and that's all I can say. I wouldn't be able to, to say they can do this or do that or send this or send that. We can't do
0: that. So we can share the word to vote for you. To, to yes. vote for you on the ballot, share on our social media, as I have on Facebook and Twitter, to get your name out there. You have two other running mates, correct? That right, are running correct. against you for the same seat. So just to spread your name, say, Trees Harrison. So when we walk in that yes, right. voting booth.
1: Right. Will- no, definitely. Um, and then early voting, by the way, is also going to be March 10th through March 17th, except on Sunday, March 11th. And the hours are from 8.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Um, there's um, um, anybody that's in New Orleans that would like to hear what I'm saying. There's a lot of forms coming up. We're going to post that information on um, my page. We'll have all of that information on there. So if anybody wants to come and, and meet or hear what I'm saying, they're they, they welcome to come out and I'll put the information out. On the website also, to just go back, it's a third-party affiliated-owned so they have the information on there how how people can do whatever they need to do for that, you know, in relation
0: to the other matters that I'm not able to to discuss. Sure. So in, in researching and preparing for this show, I thought it was interesting how this Division A race, There were four candidates that started out. Three of the four candidates were targeted by disqualification lawsuits. You, in fact, were accused of not paying money to the state ethics board uh, before signing up as a candidate. And once this came to light, the, the state ethics board said, in fact, you had paid the money owed. One of your running mates had not, and he withdrew on January 9th. Um, And so just what to comment on the political climate of being a judge in New Orleans It makes me wonder here from Los Angeles, like, what is going on? And it seems like there's a lot of obstacles for candidates that want to do the right thing and represent the people's interests and needs, having to go through so many challenges and red tape. Can you speak to us about this?
1: Yeah, um, well, first of all, um, today we, we, um, of course, I went to trial on um, Tuesday and was found not guilty, found innocent of all charges. Um, again, and we held, we sent out press release to the, to the media and asked the media to come and, um, uh, to cover me, um, speaking to, uh, to the situation of what just happened with the trial and no media coverage, no media showed up. We were there. We had it scheduled for one thirty. We sat there for 30 minutes and no one showed up. So I want to put that out there. Yeah. That was today. And no one showed up. And everyone was invited, everyone was emailed. They even confirmed that they were coming and no one showed up, not one person. Um, Now to go back to the lawsuit, so what happened this year and what happens a lot of times when people um, go to run for these seats, the way the law law is written here in Louisiana, any third party can file a lawsuit to challenge a person's candidacy because when you sign to run for a candidate, you sign an affidavit, and you're attesting to certain things. So what the person will do is say, oh, well, you you attested the fact that you paid all of this or you've done this and you've done that. So then some you know, solicit third party will then file something saying, well, you didn't do those things, challenging the fact that you, in fact, lied and that because you lied, you should be disqual- disqualified. Usually the way this, thing, this whole thing works is that uh, another candidate works with a friend of theirs, and they get the friend to file the lawsuit, it's never this so-called unknown third party. It's always going to be linked back to a candidate. The candidate is just the person that doesn't bring the lawsuit because they don't want their name affiliated with it. Right. It's always going to be someone that that person, that person knows. And you can usually find fi- find the link between those two par- per, uh, parties because usually the person that brings the lawsuit is donated to the person's campaign. So you can usually find the connection that way. So what happened this time, you have two um, African-American females running for the fourth circuit. They were both sued. You had um, Richard Duplanche, um, Ellen Azor, and then myself. And then um, the three of us were sued. The fourth person was not sued. Richard Perk, correct? Correct. And so Mr. Perk was not sued. So everyone can draw their conclusions from that. In, in relation to that, because the three of us was was sued and that one person was not sued. Um, and then miraculously, the day of the hearing, um, ex- excluding Mr. Deplanche because he decided to get out the race immediately. He withdrew on January 9th. Yes. He, would, he withdrew. But uh, in relation to Ellen Azor, in my, my case, they both were de- dismissed the same day. What these lawsuits do is it's an attempt to try to bully people to get out of the race. It's also an attempt to get the person to spend a lot of money. It's also an attempt to to discredit your name. It's also the fact that everyone that was also sued were African-American women. All of us that were sued were all women. Mm -hmm. And we we were Black. Everyone was black that got sued, and, and and like I said, Mr. DePlanche, yes, he 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 was a, a Caucasian gentleman, but he withdrew from the race. But I found it interesting that all of all of the women were were being sued. So I really don't know what's going on. It definitely um, does not. It seems like there's some attempt to try to control certain people or to do certain things or to try to control the race. And I would hope that the people of New Orleans would not. Let someone in control behind the scenes who they want to be judged and that the citizens know that then when they walk into that booth on March 24th, that they can pull their ticket for K3 Harrison. They don't need to let someone else tell them who they should be voting for. They They need to be voting for the right person, not the person that someone told you to vote for, just because they want you to vote for that person.
0: Yes. And also to echo your sentiments that your name has been completely cleared of the two things you were accused of. You have been found innocent in both accusations. And so Tatrice Harrison is a clear name to vote for in New Orleans for Division A judge. And it was just really alarming to see in the media all kind of the the attacks that were put towards you and the other African-American females running for judgeship that like, wow, um, there really is a problem in our culture that needs to be addressed at a deeper level.
1: I I agree. Um I talk I was talking to a colleague of mine. She she's an attorney in um, Mississippi and she also is like a, a part time um judge, Gay um Poke, and I'm 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 skipping on her last name. But Gay has also a radio show and she and she and I um, um spoke in the interview on her show and she explained to me the way they do it there. They don't allow a third party to bring a lawsuit against a candidate. If a candidate wants to sue another candidate, that candidate has to bring the lawsuit. I bet you if New Orleans or Louisiana started doing that, I bet you we would stop having these frivolous lawsuits. Right. I bet yes. you we would because see right now they could use some some random third party. If the candidate had to put their name on it, they would probably be they probably they probably would hesitate because they wouldn't want to be involved in the Scandal because they don't want it to look like exactly what it does
0: look like. Right. So you've certainly been through more than your fair share of challenges, which I think speaks to your number one, integrity. Number two, your perseverance that are all qualities that you need to be a judge. How long would your term be Um, if elected? I think it's it's eight. It's eight. It's eight years.
1: It's either, you got to forgive me. It's either eight years or six years, but what, okay. So what's going on right now, Judge Chase, um, who was previously in the seat, Judge Tiffany Chase, she just ran for the fourth circuit. She won that election in the fall. So she took the bench sometime in, I think in December. So the seat that I'm running for is vacancy for her seat. So actually what's happening is I would run out the rest of her term her term for this seat ends in um uh, 2020. I see. And then the then they will have another election. So what would happen is I would then if someone decided to run against me, I would have to run for the seat again. So I'm actually running out. I'm 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 actually sitting for the rest of her term up till 2020 and then the re-election process starts and then I think it covers I really think it covers 8 years but um okay. I ran in 2014. I ran in 2014 so that's twenty twenty. What is that, six years? Yes. So
0: it's six years. So it's a six year term. It's a six year term. So what are you most excited about, Tatrice, about being elected judge? What are you most just like you cannot wait to get in there and do? Well, I, I really think that there needs to be a more
1: movement when these with with, with the family law cases. I, I I think that sometimes things just don't move the way they should or matters are just not being heard. I think that there's a um I think that both sides, dads and moms, need to get that opportunity to get to 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 the court. If there's, I have a situation like my, I have a case right now. We have been going back and forth on the same one issue now for almost a year, and my client has actually gone through three judges in the last wow. two years. It, well, and what happened is you've had a lot of movement at civil district court because a lot of the judges have been moving either to the to the fourth circuit or we may have had someone resign, but I think it has, I think it would have been going on is judges have been moving to the fourth circuit. So you had, you know, you had one judge, then that judge, because remember I told you that's the rotating seat. So then that mm-hmm. judge moved up, the new judge came in, then that judge moved out, moved over to the civil doc and then another judge came in. So now he's on his third judge and we've gone before, the, you know, all three of these judges and we're dealing with the exact same is- issue. And we still don't have that issue resolved. So, I think when you when you have a situation like that, maybe trying to trying to take those cases that that have been dealing with maybe the same issue over and over again, trying to make it a point to try to resolve it as much, as quickly as you can for the people, so they're not
0: still dealing with the same the same exact issue two or three three years later. Yes, because it seems like a waste of resources to to have the the true issue not resolved and people coming back over and over just being shuffled around. Right. And my client is and, and people get frustrated and I'm not going to
1: speak especially for my client with like, you know, me having to explain to him why he's getting a different judge, why things are taking so long. And 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 being able to explain that. And then what you what you have a lot also in family court, a lot of the litigants are pro se because people can't afford to hire an attorney. So you're you're really going to be dealing with you'll be dealing with attorneys, but you're going to be dealing with a lot of pro se litigants and some of them are just not that versed. Now, as a judge, you can't necessarily give them legal advice, but you can advise them as to what the law is. And you, right. can, you know, you can you could tell them they need to hire an attorney, but I can't give them legal advice. So one of the things I definitely want to do is, is just as I do with my clients, educate my clients. I would definitely educate the litigants before me if I feel that there's a need to do so because they they have a lack of understanding on what exactly is going on. Because sometimes people just don't tell them. Sometimes people just assume that people know, but everybody doesn't have the same knowledge base. Um, you know, what I know is not the same thing you know, so you can't assume that people also know what you know.
0: And I heard an interview that, that you gave that talking about pro se litigants and wanting to get information to them so they have more knowledge about what their options are than what exists right now. Is that is that the case? Yeah. Oh yeah, so we have a we have a self help desk um, in New Orleans, and and the and the
1: self help desk was was actually uh, championed by Judge Chase, the seat that I'm running for, and I and I think that um, when that when that self help desk came about, I think it was it was it was, a, it was a great thing. But now I think we need to evolve it a little bit. We need to start doing some stuff that's more online. I think we yes. need to start offering some more innovative things. So I think. Yes, the self-help desk is is great. It's a great thing that's fine, but we need to start building upon that um, because I think we're kind of losing a little bit of of things that we could be doing to help people a little bit more. So I think the online presence, I think, needs to be a little bit more available. I think there's some more innovative things that we could do with the self-help desk desk itself as far as things that we can um, offer and things that's available. So um, that's one of the things I want to do. And then another thing I'd like to do, I, I, I found out about this when I was in Jefferson Parish, uh, 24 JDC, that they um, one of the judges offers a, a week program for students that may be interested in going into law. So you could be in high school, you could be in uh, law school, or you could be just in college. So what he does is he offers the students to come and shadow um, different parts, sections of the court for one week during the summer. So every, so during the summer, every week, there's a, a set of so many students that come in and they get the shadow. So they get to sit with a the judge. They get to see some trials. They get to go to the clerk's office. They get to see what they do. They get to go to the sheriff's office and all that. I don't think we're doing anything like that in New Orleans. And I'd like to see us do that. So that's
0: one program that I'm definitely planning on implementing um, once I take the bench. Oh, that's exciting, Taytree. So young people can have the opportunity to see what it would be like to be a judge and, and set their sights on that and then start their education process and what they need to do to get there.
1: Exactly,
0: exactly. And, and, and it
1: makes people more informed because a lot of people don't know what happens at court. You know, it, it was interesting. I was uh, speaking to some people the other day when I was uh, campaigning, and, you know, this guy was asking me questions. It was just kind of startling because he had no idea what, what, what judges did. He, um, you know, he his, his um, understanding or appreciation of it was very, very limited. And just from sitting and talking with me, he now has a better appreciation of what, what goes on in court, what attorneys do, and then also now what a
0: judge does. That's wonderful. You know, I can share while we're talking, um, before I became a licensed clinical social worker, one of the biggest things that influenced me is when I was 19 years old, I was a CASA volunteer, a court-appointed special advocate. In some states, that's known as guardian ad litem. And I worked with families going through the family court system where there were issues of the children, where they needed to live, which parent, and in custody cases. And I'd go spend time with these kids on the weekends and in evenings, and I would submit a report to the family court judge. And I was so amazed that though I was just 19 years old, I would be in court during the litigation, and the judge would ask CASA volunteer, what do you have to offer? the court. And and almost 10 out of 10 times the judge would rule with what we had found to be true as far as what were the wishes of the children. And that was just inspiring to me that see that 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 I can really make a difference by working with kids and advocating for them. So I'm thinking that's you know you as a judge as well really listening to the needs of children and your litigants and and just wanting to do the best job that you can in making a fair and accurate ruling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I, and I think that's great that uh, the judge actually, the judges
1: actually kind of use you guys as their eyes and ears kind of as a sense, because think about it, the judge doesn't have time to visit every single, you know, living in her home. So they relied upon um, you guys' interpretation of what was going on. And they felt comfortable, I guess, with, with information you provided to the court by making a ruling based off of that information. So that's, that's pretty great.
0: Yeah. And we need good judges like you, Tatrice that have uh, the ability to hear everyone out, especially in our climate today with so much, so many troubling issues and things happening in our culture that we need judges who are going to listen and, and be intuitive and fair at what needs to happen for a person to be corrected or rehabilitated or just what's in the highest good in a given situation.
1: Right. right. I agree. And um with, what you talked about earlier with the twelve year old um child um shooting the people in, in, in um her classroom, I mean that's that's just quite disturbing. And I bet if you you know, I don't know what her situation is, but I you know, it, it could be anything that could it, could it could be triggered, say for instance, maybe she her parents got divorced and, you know, there is it's some kind of custody battle going on and that's spilled over into her mindset. I'm not saying that's what happened, but do, every little thing that happens when you're dealing with uh, divorces, child support, child custody, that affects the child ultimately. And that's why in Louisiana, we have the, the, the rule that says in the best instance of the child, that I think needs to be the running theme. And I think when the parents come into court or when husband and wives come into court, and they're dealing with their issues, they fail to, to to remember that. And I think that's one of the, the things I definitely want to impress upon people when they come into court, when I'm dealing with family family law matters, is that you're. it's not about you. It's about the children. And that was, again, when I did my divorce, that's what it was for me. I could have got everything I wanted, but it wasn't about me. It was about what my son needed, yes. and I felt like yeah. the, 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 the less the more amicable I was, I felt like the, the more reasonable my ex-husband would be when it came to the relationship and, you know, with me and then also the relationship with this child. And I felt like the more I probably went after him then the less likely he would be want to be reasonable and the less, and, the, and that would have affected my son because the more we would have thought that would have spilled over into his life. So all of those things also, you know, trickles down to what's going on with the child. So just trying to make people aware of that. And that's, that's one thing I could speak to that. I had to do it and I've done it.
0: You have. And I think that that is what makes you such a unique and, and perfect candidate for this position, as opposed to the two people that are running against you is you have this personal connection where you at at a younger age had to be faced with hard decisions and chose in the best interest of your son. And now here you are potentially stepping into a seat where that will be your mission and your, and your life's work. So I just, I wish you the best, Patrice. I want to see you get elected. I will be voting for you. And what Thank what are you. some, you're welcome. What are, again, to just leave our listeners with something for them to carry away from this conversation that you want to impress upon them? Uh, as we've talked about
1: before, and I'll, I'll keep saying it, I have been an advocate for the citizens of New Orleans since I have moved, since I moved back home, um, um, I have been advocating for their rights, left and right, criminal, civil, family law, succession, uh, you know, foreclosure matters. And then again, I found myself this week advocating for myself as a defendant, something I never thought that I would ever have to experience. But now that I have, I definitely have an appreciation for both sides of the table for, for the side is the advocate and for the side is the defendant. And because of that, that gives me a unique position and will allow me to be be the, the best possible judge um, beyond what I thought I could have been had these experiences not happened. And I think that everything happens for a reason. And you, you know, Lisa, you and I talked about this thing that everything happens for a reason. Nothing Mm -hmm. is by, by coincidence. And because all of these things have happened, because I was on, the front page of the paper with the lies with sewage and waterboard and everybody knew who I was because everybody saw that. And because I've now gone through this trial with this, with uh, Mr. Bates and because I, I got sued because allegedly I didn't pay something when in fact I did. And because I have just finished this, this, this uh, done all of the things that I've done, this has led me to where I'm supposed to be. And I'm on the path where I'm supposed to be. And that's going to be the, the next judge at Civil District Court for Division A. And I appreciate everyone um, listening. I I want everybody to go out and vote. Please spread the word, J.Treece Harrison is running. I am not going anywhere. Uh, The election is March 24th, 2018, and then early voting again is March 10th through the 17th, except on March 11th, because that's on
0: a Sunday you have my support and you are the, you are a living Testament of how our greatest challenges become our biggest successes that we can offer this to yes. others. And we really know what it feels like to be challenged and come through it victorious and then offer that to others through our work yes. and, and our lives. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And,
1: um, I think that, um, I really, I want to say thank you, Lisa, so much. I, I appreciate your, uh, support i definitely appreciate the opportunity to be able to to be heard um i you know i would have liked the media to have showed up to the press conference i had today but um that's fine they didn't want to cover it but i i guarantee you had things not gone the way that it should have gone the right way which was the not guilty uh, plea, uh you know verdict i guarantee you every single media coverage would have been out there if it was if things had gone
0: differently And I wouldn't have had to look for the media.
1: They would have been out
0: there. Well, the word is getting out about you and your innocence and your campaign and your integrity. It is an honor and pleasure to know you personally and professionally. And I want our listeners to know, again, they can spread your campaign through social media at Harrison for the digit four, Harrison for judge dot com. Thank you, Lisa, and I value your friendship as well and value you as a, as a, as a person. You're, you're a wonderful person, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tatrice. I look forward to coming home to New Orleans next week and supporting you through, through your victory, March 24th. Right. Thank you for being my All guest right. today. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That concludes my show today with Patrice harrison esquire running for judge civil district court division a in new orleans louisiana the election is march 24th of 2018 and join me next week for another episode and remember that audible.com is my sponsor and for you the listeners of all things therapy they offer you a free month subscription along with an audiobook download of your choice Take advantage of that by going to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to being with you next week. Bye bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.